want to talk today about superhuman faith. The principles of superhuman, supernatural faith. We've got to remember, please fight against this laziness that comes against all of us to give in to just normal living. If we are going to reach our nation, our city for Jesus, we must live like Jesus is. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus said, the things that I do, you shall do also. And there is an ease. Jesus said that to live like him, his yoke would be easy and his burden would be light. So the complexity of faith and miracles and all the books we see that complicate it and make it look as though you have to live such a flawless life for God to make any, any flow or move in your life, it, that is wrong. Today, as I dive into this topic, I'm going to be very, um, I'm going to speak truth and I'm going to speak truth in love, but I'm not going to water down truth to make somebody feel good because truth confronts error. All truth confronts error. And all of us, me included, are on this journey. And the Bible says the light grows brighter and brighter in our lives. And so if anyone who says, Leon, I don't understand why God didn't heal me, or they might say, Leon, I don't understand why, why God didn't protect me in that area. Leon, I don't understand why God didn't prosper me and stop that bankruptcy. When I hear people ask me questions like that, I know they are clueless about operating in the ability of God. Because new covenant faith is not trying to persuade God to move. Prayer is not trying to get a reluctant God to do a miracle for you. According to the new covenant, which is the covenant we are under, God has already given you every miracle that you're going to need. He has literally qualified you for every promise. There is nothing that he needs to do. Prayer is not you trying to get God to move. Prayer is abiding and fellowshipping with him, praying and speaking to mountains. You know, there's two kinds of prayer that I've noticed. One is communicating with God, fellowshipping with God, asking him questions about truth and enjoying him and praising him and worshiping him. And then prayer is speaking the promises of God to the mountains that are in your way or to the thing that you desire and seeing that end result. So prayer has been so messed up that a lot of people move away from Christianity because they can't believe that they, prayer for them is bugging God, pleading with God, trying to get God to move. And we shouldn't even be teaching our kids prayer like that. That is old covenant prayer. And even when it says, ask and ye shall receive, that word ask in the Bible is a complete knowing and assumption that it's, it's going to happen. One of the examples I give is when we Fontaines get together and the table's big as we all get around the table for lunch or for dinner, if I want the potatoes 
and there are 12 people down the table, uh, I'll just say, hey, um, you know, Michaela, please pass the potatoes. Now, in saying that, I'm not knowing that she's going to think about it, and I'm trying to convince her to pass the potatoes. But this is the way we simply move the food around after it's gone around. And this is this word, ask. It is a complete assumption of literally just getting things done. And so as we dive into this, I want to encourage you to make sure the messages you've heard, because for months I have been teaching on this area of faith over fear, walking in power. How can you literally have the ability of God flowing in your life? Because according to Jesus, a Christian or a follower of Christ is someone who moves in the ability of Christ not just internally, like so many denominations talk about, but there is an outward flow of the power of God. Promises in the Bible talk about healing physical bodies. Promises in the Bible talk about amazing protection in the face of sudden death or accident or attack from the enemy. It talks about an ability to rise up in career, in prosperity, as God helps you and works with you. It's something that is actually foreign to Christians who rely on their own strength and their own ability. Now, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 4, and it's quite interesting, and I, and I pray that you'll make it one of the verses that you dive into this week and study. It says to the believers, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according or fail according to the same example of disobedience. Now, in this life of serving Christ, taking this gospel to the world, there is a rest that you and I can enter into. And it says that we cease in this chapter from our own works. In other words, it doesn't even make sense. How do you labor to be restful? You must labor to persuade your heart, to renew your mind, to make your, as you begin to connect with God's word at the heart level, something very unique begins to happen. You see, there's a difference between power and force. So many Christians are trying to force the, you know, the power of God into a situation. But the Bible says that this ability to walk in the miraculous is, Jesus said, is my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That there is a rest for the people of God. And even the word faith is not a word of attack. The word faith is a complete trust. It it literally makes you rise up passionate, you bet. Men and women of faith go and do great things with their lives. But you need to know that there is a labor, and the King James is called labor to enter the rest. Or in the New King James, it says be diligent, be focused, don't stop until this renewing, this connection at the heart level where you begin to believe at this deeper level. It's not complicated. It's at all. It's actually very simple. It's we, the people, who have made this thing so complex. 
Jesus is teaching about this very same thing in John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. And he says it this way. If, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it'll be done. Literally, it's saying you can ask anything you want. It's going to be done. The desires of your heart are going to be done. You don't have some prayers that make it and that some don't. If you learn to abide in me and my words abide in you, every time you ask, you're going to receive. Your life is just going to move in a direction of supernatural ability and flow with this, this faith. 1 John 5, 4 says this is the victory that helps us to advance in this world, to win in this world. It says even our faith. So it's crucial that you drop your old religious concepts of faith, this complicated hardness about faith, and realize it is a simple process of just diving into his word, getting his word to abide in you and you abide in him. Now, the word abide is interesting. It literally means to live with, to dwell with, to move into their house with them, to enjoy their life. You know, Sal and I, were, one time we're, we had to fly in to spend some time with a missionary couple because we were looking at taking on this huge missions project years ago. And uh, so we flew in and we had met them previously and now we're staying in their home. And uh, we hardly spent a few hours there and Sally just turns to me and says, get me out of here, book a hotel, I am not staying here. There was such a sense of negativity, anger, fear. You could cut it with a knife that the culture of this home, the nature of this home, the way they handled each other, something had gone on between this married couple and it was horrid. And we were used to a home that was filled with a laughter, a joy, a, a sense of faith, a positiveness. It's something that we nurtured and, and created in our home. And so I, as fast as I could, we had to spend one night before I could find a, a hotel close by and we got out. You see, who you dwell with, who you abide with, has a massive effect on you. If we'd have stayed in that home day after day as we were checking into all these systems and, and stuff, we literally would have been fighting depression, fighting this anger. It would have tried to, you know, get onto us through osmosis. And you've got to put, so the smartest thing is get out of there and create our own abode. When Jesus says, if you abide in me. He is saying to you, live with me. Feel my culture. Feel my spirit. Enjoy my friendship, my love, the joy, the laughter, the peace that comes from abiding with me. This is something that is foreign to much of the church that I see when I'm, when I'm with them. You know, I love the fact that I grew up with a couple of amazing people. My dad and my mom, both pastors, preaching and teaching the word. And it wasn't what they knew as far as information, although the Bible says that is important because the word of God must abide in you, so you know the word, but abide in me. And I watched this relationship that they had. 
They spent time with him. Everywhere they went, there was a peace, a sense of God, a sense of purpose that kept them purposeful and passionate and excited. And I would watch them on the outside and see some of the things they would do. But you know, although I could see them pray on the outside, I had no idea how they were connecting to God on the inside. But let me explain some of the things I saw. My dad was interesting. You know, late at night, often if I happened to get a bed for a drink of water or to use the restroom, I'd, I'd see him on his knees. And he liked to spend time with God on his knees. He'd have his head kind of in his hands. Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning and I'd see him there still. He might have fallen asleep and he'd wake up and pray and sometimes fall back asleep and wake up and pray or he'd pray all night. Now, I never saw my mom on her knees, <laughs> but I saw my mom all the time. I'd come home from school. She'd be curled up in, on the couch or one of the chairs with her Bible and a pen and a notepad. And she'd be just abiding, fellowshipping with Jesus. Now, it's not a fellowship that ends. You can have that all day, every minute, every hour. But they knew the value of shutting out other voices and other things and spending quality time with Jesus. I would go to different conferences and speak and just honored that they would invite me. And many of these conferences were, you know, if they were a week long, you'd see 40 different speakers flying in and, and just some of the most famous or, you know, the world's best preachers and teachers and speakers. And, and uh, I loved meeting them and seeing what God was doing in their lives. But there's always, would always be one or two that would really stand out to me because they had a sense of Jesus that just stood out. They weren't worried about driving their own ministries, making things happen, you know, owning the room, dressing for success, which I don't have a problem with any of that. But when you would meet with them, they radiated Jesus. Their love, their acceptance, they were, they were interested in me. When we chatted, you'd hear their heart for people and the things that they were doing. I, I can't even explain it other than I knew they'd been with Jesus, that they spent time with Jesus, that everywhere they went, they just gave off this beautiful aroma of his presence. They knew him. And there is an ease and a rest at walking in the miraculous when you simply learn to abide in Jesus. And his word becomes exciting because it says in John 6, 63, that, that Jesus talks about the words that he speaks. They are spirit. They're not just the sound. You see, the words that we speak are sounds, and those sound waves hit other people's ears for communication. But when, Jesus, when the word of God spoken from the lips of faith and when Jesus spoke words and when God speaks words, they are actually a spirit force that is contained in that word. And it brings life. It doesn't bring death. It doesn't bring confusion. These words are life. To be around Jesus, even in a conversation, he would look at you and talk, and every word that he spoke would bring life to who you were, joy to your emotions, peace to any troubling situation, such a sense of 
of family and love. And, and I, I need to get this across to you today that you change your heart by abiding in him and getting his word to abide in you. There's something here that I cannot teach you. I can talk about the principles, but I can't give you the steps. I can't give you the how-tos because everybody is different in their relationship with him. I have a relationship with Jesus no one has ever had on the planet. I have a relationship with Jesus no one in my future will ever have. It is him and I uniquely. You have a relationship with Jesus that is uniquely you. And we need to understand that. You know, if I was talking to single guys today, and sometimes when I'm doing singles meetings or Q&A, you'll get a single guy talking about, well, how do I get this woman to love me? And, and what did you do? And I said, well, what I did is not going to help you. Because how Sally and I started our relationship and, 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 and the things that I felt I learned to do to win her heart and the things that, that she did to win my heart, it, 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 you haven't got a hot clue if that's going to work with the person because that's an individual different person. And every relationship has a different journey, things to walk through, things to learn, obstacles to overcome, wrong belief systems to deal with. And this journey of a relationship you know, if, you, if you're married now for decades, then obstacles will come in your way. And most of them that are the most serious ones weren't the things that come against you from the world. It was beliefs of the heart, deep feelings and emotions and, and, and soul things that, that you had to begin to talk and spend time with God and pray and believe and move through, move past. So you have a relationship with Jesus or you need to have one. And as you abide in him, you learn to spend time with him, live with him, dwell with him. You begin to start this journey and you don't know the obstacles in this journey till you start it. I've noticed that so many people that I spoke to a few years ago, well, Leon, you know, how do I just get to a place of faith? And, 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 and I'll tell, and, and they've, they've learned the principles overall. And years later, they're still asking the same question. And you so say, well, why didn't you start? You know, when a young man asks a lady out, I mean, he doesn't know what she likes and what he will need. You know, he just is being himself to what he can be. And as he meets with her, there's a stumbling of words and likes and trying to joke. And that one wasn't funny. And she doesn't appreciate this. And he doesn't like, there's all these things to learn. But if you don't start the journey, you never grow. It's down this road of getting together and dating. And do I want to spend the rest of my life with you? And then when you get married, the relationship isn't finally, oh, I finally bagged a wife or something crazy like that. No, it's you finally started this beautiful, amazing relationship. And for the rest of your life, you will continue to develop this relationship. This is you and Jesus. If you do not stop looking at the Bible as six steps to win this and seven steps to stop that, to get healed, to make money, to do what I want, make sure I get to heaven. If, if you just see this as a transactional legal agreement, it is a legal agreement. And in the courts of heaven, what Jesus did on the cross, thank God for, for knowing the word of God and getting it in my heart. But I need to abide in him. And that's what I want you to learn today. That if you do not abide in him, you will never connect at the heart level. You can have an understanding of the same scriptures. 
You can memorize those scriptures. You can confess the word. You can do the things that need doing. But it is in this abiding in him, this relationship with Jesus, that something happens and you move into a rest. You, you move into a rest that some marriages, for example, never have. It's this incredible trust and love and appreciation that it's just, this is so good. And you and Jesus need to start this journey. And as awkward and weird as it is to speak his word out loud, to spend time, shut off all your devices and grab some time with him somewhere each day, talk with him, say, I need help here, guide me, please. Uh, you're going to be shocked how everything changes in your world. And then you, as you labor to enter the rest, you are laboring to know him, to know his word. And his word comes in and moves out the wrong beliefs. The, the brokenness gets healed. This broken heart begins to function right. All the beautiful things that go with knowing his word and abiding in him. Please start that today. Tonight, before you go to bed, I challenge you to just have a conversation with him. Just say, Jesus, I... I want to start abiding in you with you and dwelling in your with you and getting to know you and spending time with you. Would you guide me and lead me? And you'll find ways and things that work for you, that help you. And this faith that was has been delivered to us, the saints, will begin to rise in such a stunning way that you'll find the favor of God, the grace of God begins to impact your life. Healing and health begins to flow in the cells of your body. Things you could never make happen in your career. You just, everyone says, you are so lucky. How in the world, what, where did that come from? How did you even do that? I found that on this journey for me, in my teens, I learned to connect with him and see the healing power of Jesus heal my body. And I would pray for others, and I would teach them before I'd pray, and see the presence of God heal. I remember coming here as a pastor, Sal and I, and at different seasons of our church life, I remember when we had about 53 acres here, and I just sensed and felt we needed more property for the generations that were ahead, for the things that God was gonna do. And I remember, turning and we were in a meeting and saying, I want someone to immediately check out the piece of property that is across the power lines right there and, and right in that area. And uh, so we quickly had someone talk to the railroad company and say, we want to purchase this piece of property, right? There's 34 acres or something like that. And they gave us the right name to talk to the right department. And the person on the phone said, I can't believe you're calling me. We've owned that property for decades. And it was only yesterday or it was just that it was the day before something that in a meeting we had to dump that property, get rid of that property. Well, yes. Well, what are you willing to pay? We worked out an incredible deal. Things like that where you go, how lucky is that? That's not lucky. That's favor. And favor is God's grace. And as you connect with him, and as you know the word, you will find 
that these unearned favors just start to flow your way, that things begin to change in your life and the people watching you, they get envious and they'll say, how in the world do you seem to always, as you move in an area, it's like the water parts. It's like what you need comes to you. It's like you just faithfully and restfully, like I've had people get mad at me in the midst of a storm over the years as we're talking and say, you know what, you're not taking this seriously, Leon. And what they mean is you're not freaking out like them. I'm not losing it like them. I'm not stressful and worried and sweating. I'm just sitting there working through what we need to and totally confident. My God not show up? Are you kidding me? My God not see me through? That's not going to happen. And this faith that grows when you connect at the heart level affects every area of your life. Make sure that a part of your focus every day this disciplined focus of diligently building a relationship. If your marriage is going to work, you're going to have to diligently focus on it and you'll enjoy it. And it just grows into something so beautiful in so many ways because of your diligence to grow that relationship. Have you been diligent in connecting with Jesus and enjoying him, his presence? dwelling with him, living in him, with him, day after day. Make this something that becomes important to you and you will effortlessly move into a place of miracles, God's ability, and the very things you desire. No wonder an Old Testament verse says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus is saying that in this way. He's saying, abide in me. In other words, this delight of knowing him, hanging out with him, living with him, enjoying him, his presence, his power, his joy, his peace. There's nothing like it. No learned, degreed person with a doctorate from a seminary can touch. I, I've met too many. I love those who study and grow in the word. But if you grow in the word and you don't abide in Jesus, Oh, how awful it is to know about but not have. Today, tonight, please find that time. Just get alone with him each day. And you're not only going to have a relationship with the God of the universe, but it's going to affect everything in your world in an effortless, easy, beautiful, restful, peaceful way that is wonderful. Father, I pray that you touch each person that is listening to me. I pray that they would begin to be excited as never before to abide in you and to get your word abiding in them. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you'd like to, the Bible says you must believe in your heart on him. And that's the reason you want to right now. This desire to trust him, to know him that's rising up. That's this believing in him. And the Bible says, confess with your mouth. So right now, just say, Jesus, thank you for dying in my place, for paying for all my sin, for rising up with new life. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. Come into my heart. I want to be born again a brand new start 
In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Start this amazing journey of knowing him.